1: Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler.
2: Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler. Dr. Kathy Greenberg, my esteemed host, is with us today. And, you know, between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of executives to perform in the top 10%. And for our listeners, we've been doing this for, you know, six uh, years or so, we always have really great folks that we want to learn from, and this is the second go around that we're going to have Jim Kouzes, who most of you all know, um, especially if you have done anything in leadership, is the co-author with Barry Posner of the Leadership Challenge. The Leadership Challenge is one of the seminal uh, works. You know, I first came across it probably 12, 13 years ago, and have used used that in some of the assessments, the Leadership Practices Inventory, will hear a little bit more about, that both Jim and Barry have come up with. Um, But for your information, the Leadership Challenge now has over 2 million copies sold, and it's available in 22 languages. And Jim is the Dean Executive Fellow of Leadership at, at the Levy School of Business, a part of Santa Clara University. The Leadership Challenge is now in the fifth edition, and it's marked the 25th uh, anniversary of the book. We'll get him to talk a little bit more about some of the key findings. I know they uh, constantly are updating it over and over. The book uh, debuted as the number one on Amazon leadership bestseller list in the 2013 Wall Street Journal bestseller list. Uh, Jim and Barry have some new e-books, and we'll talk to them a little bit about that, that you can get a hold of. We'll find out where that is and how to get a hold of that. Great leadership uh, creates Great Workplaces is an, e- is an e-book, and Finding the Courage to Lead, and then there's a new uh, trade book where we're bringing some of this leadership to students, student leadership challenge, and then another uh, book that will get Jim to kind of uh, situate for us, Turning Adversity into Opportunity, is going to come out uh, later this year in June. So let me just say a word about uh, Kathy, and we'll bring her on. Um, all of you know Dr. Kathy Greenberg. She coaches leading executives and companies. She has a uh, formula: happiness equals profit. She has been named the first lady of happiness, you know, by ABC TV. She's authored multiple popular books on the science of happiness. What happy companies know. What happy working mothers know. She touches millions of lives as an in-demand speaker, TV and radio. Media personality. Her new book, uh, Fearless Leaders, is just about ready to be debuted. The title is Fearless Leaders, Sharpen Your Focus. Um, launches in just a couple months, and we're really excited about that. And to hear more about uh, Kathy, her website, Dr. Dr. Kathy and then Kathy and I share a website, Excel. Institute.com. So Kathy, welcome.
3: Thanks, Relly. It's a pleasure to be here, and it's so good to have Jim Kuzis back on the show. It's, uh, it's been a little while, but um, as you know, we are big fans of his work, and I'm very excited to hear about all the latest and greatest in his um, his world. And I know we've talked a little bit about the, the new books, the e-books, and I want to catch up on Uh, the new edition of Leadership Challenge and all the exciting things that are going on with him. But before we bring Jim on, I wanted to uh, make sure that everybody in our audience is familiar with my favorite co-host, Dr. Relly Nadler. Uh, Relly is a master level certified executive coach, a psychologist, a corporate leadership and team trainer. And of course, Relly brings his legendary expertise in emotional intelligence to all of his keynotes, consulting, coaching, and development programs, and Relly's newest top-ranked book, Leading with Emotional Intelligence, provides hundreds of tools and strategies to develop star performers across any industry, including yours. His highly respected work, of course, is the focus of many business journals and blogs and news features, and of course, you can visit him at truenorthleadership.com for free downloads to access your best performance through emotional intelligence, including his free iApp Leadership Keys, which is also available at the iTunes Store. And, Raleigh, I know um, we're in a hurry to bring Jim on. We have so much to catch up on. But I thought you might want to just share a little bit um, about why we do Leadership Development News and uh, perhaps something about um, how what we're doing in um, our world with Excel Institute might be of help to our audience
2: today. Sure. Let me say a couple words. Often, you know, because, because Kathy and I are so evidence-based, and, and so is Jim. That's why you have great research. So I'm going to highlight just a couple things, um, but I think the the research that we're going to hear from Jim is is exceptional. And so, you know, why do we have Leadership Development News? Why are you listening to this? Most organizations, as many as, you know, 40%, say they do not have as many uh, New leaders ready on the bench to move up. You know, and the reason is this: um, one is there's less uh, Generation X in it than than uh, the baby boomers, so there's a big gap in just population. But it's kind of the brain drain that not only are we using brains, but these folks uh, who are more the baby boomers just have a little bit higher emotional intelligence. The only reason is. Uh the technology, so the younger generations, the more you're in front of a screen, whether it's be your computer or your phone, less you're dealing with people, less you're uh, identifying how to communicate and refining your communication. So we try to give you as many tips as we can around emotional intelligence and positive psychology and fearless leaders, and uh, now the leadership challenge. Jim, let's bring you on, because you have. we want to hear your research. We know our research. We want to hear kind of what's going on for you. Good to talk with you and with Kathy. How are you doing?
4: We're, we're doing fantastic. great. It's good to hear That's you, Jim. It. Thank you for asking me. Uh, yeah. you know, we're, uh, we're doing well here in Northern California, and it's a pleasure to be on your show.
3: So, Jim, uh, we haven't talked to you in a little while. Um, I know you've got a lot of new things going on, and you are... This book solid in 2014, so we know you're very busy. But tell us a little bit about how you um, first became so interested in our favorite subject, obviously leadership development.
4: Kathy, I grew up in uh, Washington D.C. metropolitan area, Fairfax, Alexandria, and Arlington, Virginia, and because of that, and because of going to downtown Washington D.C. at least once a week with my parents. Uh, who took us to the memorials and the museums and the uh, government offices, Capitol Hill, White House, all those spots. I, I became extraordinarily interested in political science and studied that at university. And another part of my growing up was the fact that, uh, uh, well, I served in John F. Kennedy's Honor Guard when I was an Eagle Scout. Uh, and I was very, of course, impressed by that new president, the youngest president at the time, and and his family, and the opportunity to be in that honor guard, I think, just triggered something in me to want to explore further the impact that leaders had on people's lives. And so I took very seriously his, uh, his request that we ask not what the country can do for us, but what we can do for the country, and I joined the Peace Corps after university, and then when I came back, I spent some time uh, trying to be of service to the community action agencies in the war and poverty in this country, Hmm. and that led me to uh, become very interested in organization development and uh, eventually led me to Santa Clara University, where I teamed up with Barry Posner and we started doing our research on personal best leadership experiences. So that's a a two-minute response to your question, but it gives you a sense that I was really, uh, I I lived in a space which created that interest in me uh, on how leaders get other people to struggle for shared aspirations.
3: And so fortunate are we that you were focused on that.
4: Well, thank you.
2: Jim, I have a a question for you. Um, So how did you and Barry connect? And it looks like most of your work, you know, is together. And and is there some things that you don't do together? And, you know, Kathy and I do some shared things and then also separate things. But it's just uh, interesting around this has been a long partnership you've had with him.
4: Yes, it has. Some people refer to it as our second marriage. (laughs) Uh, uh, The very knocked on my door at Santa Clara University when I first arrived on the first day and I was new and I was unpacking boxes and he knocked on my door and he said, "Uh, Jim, you're in my office. And I was sort of (laughs) startled and I said, oh, I thought it was my office. The dean told me it was my office. And he said, no, it it was my office. It's now your office. Welcome to Santa Clara University. And if if you need anyone to you know, show you around, introduce you to people, uh, I'll be glad to do that, and I took him up on it, and ever since then, we've been working together. It's been a partnership in in writing and in teaching and executive development and the creation of workshops and programs since 1981, wow. and uh, we've been working together ever since, and Plant uh, just emailed him about a new project we're working on, and some meetings we're going to be having about some things we're doing with the Student Leadership Challenge. So we're, we're continuing to work together. He is the only person I currently write with uh, and probably don't have time for anyone else. But uh, not only that, I just enjoy the process that we've developed. That's a good, together. healthy marriage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, been, it's been a very good, healthy relationship, yes. So you,
3: you, you've been um, talking about... Um, yourself a little bit and about, obviously, about um, your partner, Barry, um, your writing partner and your research partner, can you talk a little bit about maybe some of the greatest leadership influences that you can recall to date on, just on your thinking and and on how you um, like to present your material to the world, anything, any one in particular come to mind?
4: Well, whenever I'm asked a question about my own personal influences on, on how I think and write about leadership, the first person that I always mention is my father. My father, was uh, when he retired, uh, he's passed away now, but when he retired, he was Deputy Assistant Secretary of Labor in the U.S. government. He, he began his career during World War II, and then after the war, he uh, became a civil servant. He got his bachelor's, master's, and Ph.D. all at night he, uh, after work, uh, and he rose from the literally the floor bottom ranks uh all the way to the most senior uh civil service position in the labor department and so he taught me a lot about what it means to To be loyal to an organization, to serve as a leader, he he taught leadership and management, and so I m- remember looking at his books on the shelf. You know, back then it was Peter Drucker who was probably the most popular management writer of the time, and and uh, he also liked to use experiential learning activities in his teaching. So I, I would look at the uh, kind of original Pfeiffer annuals that had all those exercises in them. So he was amazing. Major influence on both how, how I think about leadership and management, and also how we teach it.
3: Well, I no. want to ask you to remain loyal to us just for a minute. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. <laughs> Don't go away. We're speaking to Jim Kuzis. You're listening to Leadership Development News.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here, Voice America Business Network.
6: For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2CLeadership.com. That's H2CLeadership.com.
2: uh, key leadership gurus, Jim Coozes, uh, was he and Barry Posner have written The Leadership Challenge. And, uh, Jim, it was just fascinating hearing that your dad actually uh, was a uh, into leadership in all those books. So what an influence, because I think, um, you know, Kathy and I have interviewed a lot of folks, and, you know, people always talk about their parents, but their parents typically aren't in leadership roles just like your dad was, so that's great.
4: Well, he was a major influence. My mom, too. Uh, who, uh, typical of, of families at that time, was a, uh, a homemaker but volunteered a lot. And so she volunteered with uh, the United Nations Association, which, which exposed me and my brother to international affairs and uh, really gave us an appreciation of people from different countries and nationalities. And then also gave us the opportunity to, to get involved in things at school, uh, that kind of complemented the other the kind of interest we had uh in in the the kind of community action type of work that she was involved in so it was a
2: it was a wonderful partnership they had that's great well we want to ask you a little bit about some of the ebooks that you have and maybe you can tell us about that you know one is great leadership creates uh great workplaces maybe that's a good place to start well be delighted
4: uh, we we wrote that e-book, really, because we were interested in, in providing people with our evidence on engagement. Uh, we wanted to answer the questions how leaders can inspire employees to higher levels of engagement that drive strong result, results across the board. And so we drew on our over 30 years of research and data from over 2 million constituents around the world, and that's 2 million. So it's a pretty big database, and it's global over seventy-two different countries. And looked at how the five practices of exemplary leadership, which is our model and our framework for leadership, impacted employee engagement. And so that ebook addresses that, that topic. The second ebook we wrote recently was on courage, finding the courage to lead, and very similar to the recent book that that, that uh, Kathy. Uh, has written it took a look at what leaders do when their their values and and a difficult stressful situation come into contact with each other. Mm-hmm. What what is it that leaders do to to be courageous? And the third book, which hasn't yet been published, will come out in June, I believe, is on turning adversity into opportunity and uh, it's, it kind of builds on the courage ebook, where we take a look at six strategies for uh, for resilience you might say for how you take an adverse, how leaders uh, enable others to take a, an adverse situation and turn it into an opportunity.
3: Outstanding. That, that of course fascinates me and hopefully we'll talk some more about that as we go through the show. I didn't want to cut you off there, but I know you have a couple more books that you wanted to discuss.
4: Well, the other book that we recently came out with is the Student Leadership Challenge, the second edition of of that book, uh, uh, a new and expanded edition, and the the model of leadership is the same, the five practices of exemplary leadership, but the case examples are all about student leaders, and that book is used primarily in undergraduate classes and in co-curricular activities at university level and a little bit at high school level to help students gain an appreciation of their own power and strength as leaders and to learn some skills and competencies on how to improve their uh, leadership practices and the kinds of things. Kinds of activities in which they're engaged: athletics, uh, clubs, associations, fraternities, sororities, uh, community activities at the high school and uh, college level.
2: So, a question I have, Jim: You know, given you have two million copies sold, well, it's a Leadership Challenge. So what, what's some of the strategy with the eBooks? Um, you know, because it, you, now it looks like you got a lot. You got a lot on your plate and a lot out there. So. I'm just curious what would you and Barry come up with as far as, you know, why e-books? Barry and I
4: are always ex- trying to experiment with new ways of disseminating information. We have a, a, a philosophy of accessibility of, of our material. It's one of our core values, making our, our material accessible. So we want to experiment with all the different ways in which we can make it accessible, whether it's print, whether it's audio or video, whether it's speaking in workshops, or now e-books have become very popular. And wanted to make sure that we, while all of our longer books are available in that format of a downloadable for a tablet or iPhone, we also wanted to experiment with the shorter books where, kind of like, it's back to the old days of pamphleteering, hmm. where you get a short pamphlet out there, people can read about a focused topic. Uh, and it 's a much shorter read, much more uh, accessible to people uh, something they can and probably read on an airplane ride between here and uh, southern California, Northern California and los angeles so uh, it 's the kind of thing we just we, we just wanted to experiment with and our published publishing is also moving more and more in that direction, and so with our publishers, we experiment with that format.
3: It's a fabulous format, I think, because um, you get to update and change the material real-time. And also, I'm not sure if, if your books are um, written in this fashion, Jim, but I know with our new book, Curliss Leader, and Your Focus, we're going to be creating an interactive community as an e-book. So it really creates an opportunity for communication as well.
4: It, it does. It has its own challenges uh, because of the... You can imagine if you're trying to uh, publish something in print, it's a pretty known technology, whereas with e-books, essentially you have to provide them in more different kinds of formats. So you've got Amazons and you have uh, tablet readers for that's got kind of iOS operating system and Android operating system. So it's actually a lot more complicated than people think, and for publishers it's actually more complicated to produce initially because of the different formats. But uh, it, it, is a, it is the wave of the future.
2: So, Jim, thank you for that. And then as we get into this, let's start maybe a little broad about maybe some of the biggest challenges you see today for for leaders, and then we can kind of get into your model and some of the research you have. So, if, you know, how would you respond to them? What do you see as some of the biggest challenges?
4: Relly, you mentioned one of them earlier on, which had to do with bench strength, and you put your finger on a key issue. Uh, demographics drive a lot of things that happen in, in our lives, and as as the uh, boomers' age, which was up until that generation, the largest generation, to, to move into the workplace, uh, we've now reached the age where uh, we're retiring And even though that may have been pushed out for some a little bit more due to the most recent recession, the Great Recession, uh, at some point that generation will increasingly be moving on and they'll be replaced by a uh, a generation that hasn't had as much opportunity to to develop leadership skills and abilities. Uh, the average age at which people participate in leadership training inside corporations and other workplaces, leadership development now, on average, is about 40 years old, Hmm. which is extraordinarily late when you begin to think about it. And that's one of the reasons, by the way, we're working with students so actively is that we don't have this same thing as we move forward. Uh, And so there hasn't been as much attention to this generation in developing their skills and abilities, and there's just going to be a serious absence of people to move into leadership roles. Not We're not talking about just about senior roles. We're talking about middle-level managers and, and, and frontline supervisors as well. So that's going to be a big challenge, the lack of bench strength, the lack of trained and experienced people to move into some very key leadership roles in organizations. Uh, engagement is also a big concern for organizations now, knowing that the numbers of engaged people in the workplace is uh, lower than the number of, of of disengaged, or about the same. Uh, as disengaged people, we have a major challenge to increase the commitment and loyalty and and, and the uh, willingness to work harder and longer uh, the willingness to the, the ability to feel like you 're part of something that taps into your core values that you make a difference in organizations is a major issue. Uh, innovation is also driving a lot of organizational agendas these days that need to be more innovative and creative and I think just the whole Volatility and uncertainty and adversity, uh, the disruption in the marketplace, uh, which is causing a similar kind of disruption inside organizations, is top of the agenda for
2: many, many leaders today. So let me jump in here. I was waiting for Kathy to jump in. Um, So, say a little bit, you know, it sounds like some of your new book, um, you know, around finding the courage to lead and then engagement with the great leadership. What what are some of the things you know challenges around adversity and, and some of the, you know sometimes they call it the kind of the whitewater kind of you know the metaphor of rapids that that we're in today, you know for for leaders to kind to of manage that much adversity. Yeah, the the
4: whitewater uh, kind of change. Well, not too long ago, normal meant stable, right? Normal meant right. slow and steady. Normal meant you can predict what's going to happen tomorrow based on what happened today or what happened yesterday. But the world is very much uh, different these days, Uh, and we need to get used to that. You know, there's no turning back. In today's reality, normal means adversity, normal means turbulence, normal means disruption, normal means chaos. It means expect the unexpected. You can't predict tomorrow's winners based upon today's successes. Uh, Normal means improvisation. Uh, It means changing uh, quickly, according to the circumstances, so all wow. of these kinds of changes in the in, in the nature of the climate and we're doing not that that didn't exist in the past, it's just become more compressed in, in time and uh, some people are able to handle those kinds of situations very adeptly and others are not. And so what we wanted to do is offer six strategies for how people can better, lead in those kinds of circumstances.
3: You know, this is so fascinating, and I have to say I got myself kind of in a trance listening to the conversation, <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, oh, I'm supposed to be a part of this show, aren't I? <laughs> but it's so fascinating, and I know there's so much more for us to talk about, so if you will, Jim, please bear with us. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. You're listening you to Jim Kuzis on Leadership Development News.
1: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
6: Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2CLeadership.com. That's H2CLeadership.com.
1: The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show.
2: Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're having a fascinating conversation with Jim Cruz's here. And, you know, Jim, before the break, we talked about what I, what I was... Uh, labeling kind of the new normal, which is really is adversity and, and you know, so one of your new e- ebooks, you know, finding the courage to lead and, and it sounds like uh, your newest one also may have uh, outgrowth of that. And then you just mentioned six strategies. So I think our listeners would be interested in knowing so what what have you found that's been help that can help us and help leaders with adversity?
4: The six strategies, really, that we write about in this book, which are really an extension of one of the practices primarily, which we call challenge the process, and we can talk about the others uh, in a moment, but the six strategies that we've identified that help leaders to turn adversity into opportunity, and all of us uh, are, are leaders in our in our own environments in some ways or another, whether it's family or community or school, how we can all take an adverse circumstance and, and turn that into an opportunity. And the first of those is what we refer to as broaden the context. So, or, or, or to, to broaden the perspective, I should say. Uh, broaden the context to broaden the perspective. You know, it's, it's common for all of us to take disruptions very personally like this is happening to me, and it's almost as if I'm the only person in this world who's experiencing this right now. And it's the same for organizations. while organization is under it's almost under siege or under attack when we face these kinds of problems. And while it is personal uh, to us or to our organizations, We also need to broaden the context and understand that from a historical perspective, people have faced similar or worse circumstances in their lives. Now, that may sound like too simplistic, but what we know, interestingly enough, is that people who reflect first on their past and take a look at their highs and their lows in their lives, what has taken them to the peaks and what has enabled them to to have resilience, to move from lows to highs, what's motivated them. People who do that are much more resilient than people who simply charge ahead without any reflection Hmm. whatsoever. And so it's actually an important strategy from a psychological perspective to give us a perspective on where we are given our own personal history as well as the history of other people. So you take, for example, Delisle Worrell, who was the governor of the Central Bank of Barbados, happened to be giving a talk uh, recently that uh, Barry attended. You know, he began that talk by by saying that, you know, in Barbados, they were facing uh, significant challenges, but yet they were, and he went through and listed what they were, but then he went through and went, backwards in time and said, but before this, you know, here's where we were and here's where we are today and put it all in perspective. So, that's the first thing hmm. that we need to do is, is to broaden the context or broaden the perspective. The, uh, the uh, second strategy uh, that we uh, talk about in this is to deny the verdict. Uh, it, The CEO of, um, former CEO and chairman of Herman Miller, Max Dupree, uh, said, You know, the first job of a leader is to define reality. And, you know, you have to tell people the truth about what's going on. You have to be, people would rather hear the truth according to the research rather than simply be told that everything's fine. Or let's stick our heads in the sand and forget about what's happening right now. People want to know. What 's going on, but you don't have to see that description of the truth as your fate. It doesn't have to continue forever. Uh, you have to accept the, the uh, diagnosis, but you can deny the verdict or at least defy the verdict,
2: mm-hmm.
4: and that kind of of saying to yourself, "I can get past this, I can get beyond this." Is also another psychological principle of of the people who are very resilient leaders need to help people ask questions like what's going on right now? What is the truth? Is it truth, a rumor uh what are we clear about? what are we unclear about what's possible given these circumstances? you know what is the silver lining or where is the silver lining in all this and 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 go through and not deny the the reality not don't deny what's happening in the world, but defy the verdict that we're doomed to live this way forever. Uh, The third one is fully commit to what's important. We have to decide what our values and beliefs are and then commit to those. Uh, One of the things that Barry and I found in our research is that leaders who are clear about their values are much more committed to their organizations than leaders who are unclear. And the same is true for constituents, people who are clear about their personal values are much more committed than those who are unclear about their values and are more committed than those people who are clear about the organization's values but not clear about their own. So we have to be clear about what's really important to me right now. uh, Yeah,
3: that, you know, and I have to say, Jim, this seems to be an ongoing conversation. You know, the clarity of values at the individual level. I I find it absolutely amazing that after so many years of focusing on leadership, that this is still one of the strongest traits or characteristics, right, that, that we address. Just in your, you know, I'll say, in your wisdom, in your um, you know, probably over a million surveys and, and leadership interviews that you've conducted over the years, um, do you find that this is still a bit of a surprise? And and in fact, um, you know, why is this an ongoing issue? Do you think?
4: Uh, i we, we We are no longer surprised by this uh, because it 's been so consistent. I remember I was in, in part of a panel with Ken Blanchard one time, and i was I was answer, starting to answer a question and i said uh, i don 't know what you call something that 's been the same for the last twenty five years, but and before I could answer my own question uh ken Ken answered it for me, and he said i 'd call it the truth and so, <laughs> You know I something has been true for since we started this research, which actually predates nineteen eighty on values. We have found consistently that people who are clear about their leadership philosophy, their values and beliefs, those principles that should guide decisions and actions are significantly more committed than those who are not clear. Uh, and their constituents are more committed to the organization. They're more uh, engaged, and they consider the leader to be more effective. So it's a very powerful finding, and it's been been true ever since we started doing this.
2: So Jim, we're gonna let's keep going. So we got broaden the context. Number one, deny the verdict. Number two, fully commit uh, to what's important. This is the values that we're talking about now. Number three. And then so what else, what's 4 5 and 6 4 4
4: is take take uh, charge of change hmm. uh, you have you, got to take initiative uh, so i i've i've understood that you know we're, we're, this people have overcome adversity before and i've overcome it before I've, i understand that that uh, you know i'm not doomed uh, here that that we can De- defy this verdict and deny the verdict that we've been given, uh, and, and I have uh, taken the initiative to make something happen um, now. Uh, so I, I, I need to, you know, take charge of this change. Uh, I, I need to make sure that we persist, that we are determined, that we move forward uh, and, and kind of one step at a time, uh, in, in little small increments, move forward. So that's the the next one. The The uh, fifth one is engage others. In times of of difficulty and adversity in particular, we need other people. Uh, You know, research has shown that those individuals who ask for help are much more likely to overcome adversity than those who don't ask for help. That's sort of like, Mm -hmm. duh. But, you know, how many leaders do you say, do, do, do you hear say, turn to the people in the organization and say, we're in trouble and I need your help? The, the, the feeling along, among leaders is, uh, we're in trouble, so I better solve this problem. And so they take it on all themselves, rather than turning to others and say, I need your help. It's important for leaders to ask for help times like this, and for all of us to ask for help of each other. And people who are more engaged with others rather than less engaged with others during times of difficulty are much more resilient. And the final one, number six, is that as a leader, you need to show you care. Uh, because it is so difficult and stressful, you need to make sure that people know that, that you have compassion for their situation, uh, and that they're not just left out there all on their own to deal with it, but that you, you do care about their, uh, their
2: fate. You do care about them personally. So I can see how you know, these are kind of weaved into, like you said, the uh, five, five practices. And as you're you know, embarrassing, us, this would be kind of under challenge the process, But some of these are similar, you know, know, a few words changing to your uh, five practices.
4: There's a lot of similarity, really, and then there's just some nuances that make it different that are specific to adversity. Sure, Uh, and and we might also say that for leaders, challenge is the opportunity for greatness, and and that's one of the key characteristics of an adverse circumstances it right. is challenging to people uh, but whether the times are 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 you know the kinds of things that we've more recently experienced where significant numbers of people are are losing yeah. their jobs there's been significant disruption in the marketplace or they're they're they're, they're less disruptive than that you know leaders we find and do at least five things really well. They model the way, inspire a shared vision, challenge the process, enable others to act and encourage the heart and and many of the things that are we talk about in, in turning adversity into opportunity have
2: similarity to right. some elements of, of those five practices. So, so Jim, we're going to take our, our next break and maybe we'll come back and we'll zero in on that in, in our last segment. So this has been Leadership Development News, and keep stay tuned, and we'll hear the next segment here. We're talking with Jim Cruzes, and we'll be right back.
1: We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network.
6: For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2CLeadership.com. That's H2CLeadership.com.
3: We've been having a wonderful, delightful, and enriching conversation with Jim Kuzis. Uh, Jim, when we uh, went to break, we were talking about the five practices and some of the discoveries, the highlights. Um, maybe you could focus on some of the things uh, that you'd like our listeners to know about in, um, in the last minutes that we have of the show here.
4: Well, Kathy, I think perhaps our listeners would like to know that of the five practices, the one that leaders experience is the most challenging is inspire a shared vision. That practice of envisioning an uh, an uplifting and ennobling future and then being able to communicate that to other people in such a way that they can see themselves in the picture and that they come to share and own that vision as their own. And speaking to those two parts of that, I think uh, we often, because of the adverse circumstances we're facing right now, and because many people are are just worried about will they uh, have a job, uh, we tend to become very short-term focused. And... Whenever I ask leaders why is it that this is the lowest scoring of the five practices, what what's challenging most for you about it? Uh, they tell me it's the that uh, it's their short term orientation. They're they're driven by the quarter, uh, and 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 so we have to force ourselves to spend some time reflecting ahead. We have to extend the time horizon about which we're thinking. We need to keep our head in the clouds, but our feet on the ground. Uh, As leaders, the expectation, particularly as you move higher up in an organization, uh, in a hierarchical organization, or you have more responsibility for more people, is that that leaders be forward-looking as many as 5 to 25 years out into the future. So we have to begin to ask ourselves a few questions. What's going to be happening in the next five years is going to impact my organization, economically, politically, technologically, demographically? Uh, of those things that are happening, uh, how can I get other people to understand them? What can I do to communicate them? And what can I do also to help build a shared understanding of what it is that we're trying to accomplish together, given these uh, conditions that are happening in our environment. So looking out farther, asking ourselves what's happening in our environment that's going to be impacting us and then having uh, getting other people to help understand it. So that's the first part. The second part is communicating it in such a way as other people come to see it as their own. We call it enlisting others. Uh, and I do this little exercise that I perhaps can illustrate this. I ask people to think about, uh, I'm going I'm to say two words and when you hear these two words I want you to tell me what immediately comes to mind and maybe uh, uh, Riley, you and Kathy can just respond. I'm going to say two words, and you tell me what comes to mind immediately. Paris, France. Eiffel Tower. To Eiffel Tower. Oh, my gosh.
3: For me, I'm thinking vacation. Vacation, <laughs> sure.
4: Did, did Both of you got an image, right? I going to say Paris, France? All
3: right. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. Now, I presume both of you have been to Paris, yep. uh, but at least... You know, half of the people, whenever I ask in a larger audience, have not been to Paris. And I say, so you've not been to Paris, and yet you have an image of the Paris? And They say, yes, of course. I say, well, how did you get that, and you've never been there? And they say, well, I I read about it. I saw pictures of it. People showed me their their photographs from their trip. Uh, I saw it in the movies. I saw it on TV. So in other words, the more... exposure we have to it, the more likely it is we'll have an image of a place we've never been to before. And that's exactly what leaders need to do. Mm. Leaders need to communicate it in all the media possible, whether it's in pictures, whether it's taking people on trips, whether it's um, uh, communicating it in written material, and they need to do it over and over and over again so that people can begin to build their own image. It might not be the same image, but it's their own image of what it will be like when we arrive And Paris. And so all they need to do is say two words and people get an immediate picture. That's the trick. That is the skill that leaders Mm -hmm. need to develop in order to be able to inspire a shared vision. It's much like putting a jigsaw puzzle together. We all have different pieces of the puzzle and we all need to see the big picture, the Mm -hmm. box top, in order to know where our piece fits. So being able to describe that box top in such a way that people can see it. Those are just a couple of tips. Uh, that can help both extend your time horizon and also help you communicate it in such a way that other people come to see it.
3: And you know that that makes so much sense. And the exercise, while so simple, can be um, very difficult. I would imagine for a leader who who doesn't have that true vision, that that capability of a noble
4: future. Yeah, it, it um, is difficult. It is difficult. Yeah. Know. You know, we, we, I'm, doing an ex, I'm doing a session with all CEOs of large healthcare organizations in, in about a week and a half, and we're going together, and they asked for this, we're going to together spend a day together reflecting on legacy, and one of the exercises they'll be doing is that they're going to be asking them to uh, imagine that uh, down the road, their organization is being awarded Best Workplace, so it's going to be, you know, five, ten years down the road, their organization is being awarded Best Workplace. And uh, what are you hoping that people will say about uh, your organization? What, what are you hoping people will say, the lessons that they've learned from your organization, the ideals that it stands for, the feelings they have when they're there, and the tangible evidence of that in what you do on a daily basis? And they're going to be spending a, a day reflecting on those kinds of questions. That's the kind of thing we need to do in order to help leaders uh, expand their horizons.
3: You know, I'm I'm just, I'm floored by the idea that after all this time, we still struggle with so many aspects of leadership and yet we have come such a long way. In in your estimation, Jim, given what you know and all of the work that you've done in this area and um, the application of your fantastic, you know, um, inventories and books, what's the one thing you think leaders should focus on that's going to make the biggest difference for us in, in the world that we're, um, I want to say, living in virtually because it's such a different world than it was growing up in a you know, bricks-and-mortar
4: environment. Mm-hmm. You no, know, Kathy, my wife, and I were in Truckee, California, uh, on Lake Tahoe, and we were going to have lunch in a small cafe there, and on the side of the building there was a sign and, it, and it, it was carved in wood and, and, and nailed to the side of the building, and it said, Dedicated to the memory of Joseph Ignatius Ferpo What we have done for ourselves dies with us. What we have done for others lives on and is immortal. And I've always remembered that. That was about ten years ago, almost, and I've remembered that, that sign. Mm-hmm. What leaders do for themselves dies with them. What leaders do for others lives on and is immortal. Leadership is a relationship, it's a relationship between individuals who aspire to lead and those who choose to follow. And any discussion of leadership has to take into consideration the constituents and and the nature of that relationship. So my advice to leaders is to always remember what Don Bennett said to us when I asked him, what was the most important thing you learned in being the first amputee to climb to the top of Mount Rainier, 14,410 feet on one leg? And he said, you can't do it alone.
3: That's a great way to end our show today, Jim. You have been amazing, as always, and patient with us and um, our scheduling and so forth. But thank you so much for sharing your wonderful professional wisdom and insights with us. Um, Maybe you'll be able to come and join us at our Miraval Mastermind at some point in the future. We're having one this summer at miravalresorts.com. Those of you who are listening in to Jim and want more, Mastermind contact with great thinkers, people who are in the mindful living space. Don't forget to go to www.miravalresorts.com or www.drkathygreenberg.com or excelinstitute.com to learn more. Thank you so much, Jim. It's been an amazing
2: show. Thank you very much, Kathy. Thank you, Really Appreciate the opportunity. And Jim, I just want to say the last thing. You left me with this and I leave others are you leaving your people feeling more capable? And, you know, you have I heard that first from you, and I've used that over and over, and that kind of summarizes exactly what you saw on Truckee, too. Yeah. So thank does. you.
1: Thank you, Relly. My pleasure. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers, with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com.